You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us so dearly. We thank you that you had uh, a purpose for this world. Uh, right back at the beginning, even as we've already heard, that um, before, before the enemy, before Satan even got around trying to do anything to, to destroy the people on this earth, that, that you were already there. You were there. There's no beginning for you. And so let us know the extent of your love for us. Let us know the extent of your plan for this world and our part in it. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I could really relate to what Aaron was saying. You know how you say he was excited? And I was a little bit concerned uh, before I arrived here today, the past few days, thinking, oh, how can I... You know, what is a rant? If we hear a rant, um, that's, that's a common term these days, it's someone being negative, isn't it? But they just, to rant means to go on and on and on and on. And I'm thinking, how in a positive sense can I not turn up and just go on and on and on and on about how God good, how good God is and in what he's done? And a sampling of what that does in us is, is just that passion that we saw in Aaron. And I relate to that so well. And the unique thing, though, is that I can't transmit that to you. Aaron can't transmit that to us, can he? Where does that passion come from? It's something that God does in us that just causes you know, our spirits to rise and, and excitement to appear. Is it the same every day? Do we feel that excited every day? Probably not. But every time, every time we come face to face with the glory of what God's doing, that is a thing that really sets something in motion in us. So, for example, Steve sends me a text. I'm just going to put these verses from Isaiah in. I read the verses he's chosen from Isaiah. I go, oh, right on. This is, this is so cool. It fits with what I'm going to talk about. Aaron speaks and he talks about that going back before the, the devil tries to have his plan work what does he say about Jesus? He was there right before that. He knew what was going to happen. Why is it important? Because as far as the world's concerned, everything is going according to God's plan. Everything is going to plan. There are plenty of plans we see. The devil had one plan for the world, didn't he? But if we look at the country, there's a government in charge, isn't there? And the government says... This is our plan for the next three years, or maybe the next six or 12 or however many. And they get about their plan. They say, we're going to make some laws to do this. This is what we hope will result from that. What happens if they don't do it? Or what happens if the people don't agree with what the plan is? Or the plan doesn't work? What are the people likely to do? Chuck them out of government. There's an election and everyone says, oh, we've got to get rid of these guys. What if there's an election and the people who aren't in government, they present with a plan and say, oh, this is what we're going to do. And the people might have had a government and they say, oh, we like the look of that plan. That sounds good. They're going to give us more money or they're going to do this. And, and people can be quick to say, blow that plan. That doesn't suit me. This plan's looking really good. And what do they do? They tear it up, they chuck it out. It's like leaders, whether it's someone in charge of a, a business, whether it's someone in, in charge of a sporting team. There have been a few teams change coaches in Australian football in the last little while. Sometimes we talk, 
hear about tennis players. They'll have had a coach and then they decide, oh, I don't need a coach. I'm going to make a new plan. I'm going to make my own plan. They think it's time to do something different. And in these moments of change, it can be a bit split. You have some people over here saying, oh, we loved this leader. Or we loved this plan. We, we don't want to leave that behind. They're quite upset. But a new plan's happening anyway. People buy in. They jump on a plan that seems to offer something good because they say, hey, it's in my interest. This will be, be fantastic. The plan tells us we're going to do this, we're going to follow these rules, and here's how we're going to get better. Here's how it's going to be good for everyone. But when that changes, it's back to the drawing board. Let's make another plan. It goes on and on. It goes on and on. There's chopping, there's changing. In our world, does the plan ever stay the same? Has it ever been the same where you worked? If you're your own boss, we probably even change our own plans. If we work for someone else, oh, what's the boss got us doing this for? It's not always the same. But here's a different sort of plan. And I'm going to read just a small part, a few verses from a letter written by a guy called Paul to the Colossians. Why were they Colossians? Because they came from a place called Colossae. <laughs> There's a classic. And it was written by Paul, who's in one part in another country, to a church. And that church, the people in it had a mixture of backgrounds. There were people from different religions. There were people who didn't have a religion. They might have been pagan. There were people who might have been Jewish. But people pretty likely to have had a different background to Paul, the guy who's writing, and his background was Jewish. And that assortment of people would have been known, or we might even know them now as we read the Bible as Gentiles, because they haven't been part of this group of people that God called so long ago to represent him in the world, to show the world what God was like. So let's read and have a quick listen. I'm reading from the NIV. Colossians 1, 24 to 29. And Paul's saying, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And I'm filling up in my flesh, in my body, what's still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions or his suffering. And I'm doing it for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. And what's the word of God in its fullness? I'm commissioned to present to you the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Did we just sing that? Something about Christ in you? The hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. The first verse, Paul's talking about filling up in his flesh, something about suffering. He's writing this from prison. If we know about Paul, 
He was pretty zealous, but he didn't really have a, a good concept of God early on. He had a Jewish tradition that had reacted badly when Jesus had come along. They didn't see who Jesus was. And yet Paul has this encounter with Jesus and he changes sides. Instead of hunting people who hate Jesus, he follows Jesus. And so he starts to get the same sort of treatment that Jesus got. So he's writing this from prison. He's copying punishment, but he's actually only too glad to. He's happy to because he thinks, wow, Jesus suffered more than I have. Aaron described some of that, didn't he? That complete separation. What was the word he used for death? Thanatos. He reckons Jesus suffered more. And now I've got the opportunity to serve the church. And what's the church? Well, it's, it's Jesus' body, Christ's body. Verse 25 gives us what Paul thinks is his job description. He tells the Colossians, I've been commissioned to do something. And we have all sorts of commissions given in life. One of my past commissions, I worked as a photographer. And people used to pay me to take their photographs. It's happening less and less. And what was the commission? In effect, they're telling me, you tell us where and how to stand and we'll trust you to click the button on your camera thingy and you'll make us look better than we might have if we just gathered in a group and, and tried to take a selfie of ourselves. They commissioned me. They paid me money to do something for them. So a commission, in this sense, we're not talking about money being paid, but it's a job to do. Paul's job, he says, it's to present that church in another country. He never actually visits this place, but he can write to it. It's to present the church in Colossae with the, world of, with the word of God in all its fullness. And he's saying, here's God's plan. Here's the whole picture. We did a thing in Narendra High School, and we would tell kids... You know, maybe year nine, I think they were. We'd talk to kids in year nine and say, we'd draw a picture. We'd have a little box. And that little box was what we call self-concept. It's your picture of who you think you are. And that box, we'd draw a big, squiggly shape around it. The box, we'd say, here's who you think you are. And the big shape around is... Here's how much more there is to you than you know. I'm using that just to describe, here's the whole picture. And Paul's job is saying in those verses I read, is to tell people that something great has gone public. At the moment, we hear about a fellow in jail in London. And what's the guy's name? He's got really white hair, he's got a beard. They dragged him out of an embassy. And what's his name? Julian Assange. And, and what's he in, in jail for? He would, take, he would take people's secrets, get them off government computers, all sorts of places, and what would he do with them? He published them. Here's what it's like for Paul. He's saying, though, something great has gone public. And what's the thing that's gone public? God's plan. God's full plan has gone public. Colossians 1, 26-27, I'll repeat it for you. 
the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. It's no longer the Jews. It's for everyone. The glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God's plan. What's the hope of glory? Christ in who? In me, in you. Christ in us. Jesus' life given by him, only he has the authority to do that, to give it to us. And at this point, if you're operating by a different plan, if it was your boss at work and you're in a team meeting and he hears something like that, that's, that's, that's when the leader suddenly starts shuffling his notes and saying, hey, this isn't what was written down. It, it, this, this is outside the plan I had. And it is. It's a contrast. God's plan is a contrast to how we plan in the world or how we see people try and make change in the world. It's not the one that a coach has. It's not the one that a CEO has or the, the shire president or the town mayor. It's not the boss's plan. You tear it up and put a new one in when it's not working. It's not the plan... At, of a person who can be replaced. See, what did the world try to do? The world tried to get rid of the one who was there when the plan was made. Jesus. And it really tried hard to get rid of the person who wasn't part of their plan. And that was Jesus. And what did they do to try and get rid of that person? They, they crucified Jesus. They nailed him up on a cross. And here's the real point at which we discover there's a difference again between the world's planning and God's planning. The world's answer, well, get rid of Jesus. He's not our future going forward. We gave him a bit of time because we thought he might be a king that kicks out the Romans, the people that have taken over our country. But it turns out he's not interested in that. We've got to get rid of him. He's not our future going forward. God's action is the total opposite. His plan is opened to reveal way more than anyone saw. Remember that self-concept? Remember the picture of ourselves, how it's much bigger? Just, just a bit of a picture to describe it. His plan is open to reveal way more than anyone ever saw. And it's timed... To perfection. What does it say in Romans 5, verse 6? You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, unable to act for ourselves, unable to do anything by our own plans to rescue ourselves, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, people who didn't know God. And not just did he die for the ungodly, he rose from the dead. Everything's going to plan. Everything's going to God's plan. And, and just have a look now. The Jews, the Jews have had a history. God has unfolded part of his plan to them over such a long period of time. But it's like they're holding a blueprint here. 
And have you ever had a map folded? You know, if, if, it's, a, if, if it's a map, you, you only need the part of the street directory, for example, that you're going to. You're, you're only a couple of blocks away. So you fold your, your map out and you just hold it in two hands. The blueprint that the religious people at the time the Jews had suddenly unfolded to be revealed that it was something so much bigger. It wasn't just this part of the plan anymore. God unfolds this huge blueprint, this great big plan. And the rest of the world, us, to this day, are discovering that on that great big plan, on that great big map, on that great big blueprint, you and I feature. We're all there as part of God's plan for this creation that he's made. Everything's going to plan. Look how perfectly the word of God reaches out to everyone. We look at the Bible. There's a lot of writing in there, isn't there? How many books in the Bible? 66, is it? Other people might have a few extras in there. But about 66 is sort of the one people commonly use. And before Jesus... Heaps and heaps and heaps of books going all the way back to explain the beginning and coming forward. But we just read and heard verses from Isaiah. He came along before Jesus ever came, before that part of the plan was unfolded. But when we go back, it encourages us now. Even though Jesus has come, we can look back and see Wow, this throws a new light on God's plan all the way back. Who does this, Do you think this sounds like us? Isaiah is saying back in verse 5 of that reading we had, I said, it's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I've got filthy lips. I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the King, the Lord of Heaven's armies. And then we see a response from God in his, his vision. And he says, look, your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. The people back here, they hadn't seen and known the part of the plan that was going to be unfolded. But now we see it. We look back and we say, this is what God was doing for us. This, we can see the beginning of it all the way back here. We get to see it with our proper glasses on. How blessed are we? The word of God reaches out to everyone. That book written so long ago is encouraging and correcting us even now for the same reasons. The reasons of we were guilty, but we were made clean and forgiven. This book of Colossians in the New Testament, it's only four chapters long. Go home and read it. I was tempted to read... No, I wasn't really tempted to read the whole lot today. But actually, imagine it. Back in Colossae, when Paul wrote that letter to these people in that town so long ago, someone would have got up and they actually would have read the whole lot out. And people would have sat there and soaked it in and they would have rejoiced in it. I'm not going to read all of them out, but... I'm going to give you three little snippets 
just from these four chapters of Colossians that are things that we can know and apply to ourselves but not just ourselves because we're commissioned too. These apply and we can share with other people. Here's an example of one. For people who may be religious in all sorts of different ways or people who aren't religious at all, in Colossians we can discover that membership in God's family, being part of God's family, isn't something that comes about by our ability to meet regulations. If you want to find out about that, go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, and it'll spell it out. But in effect, it just says, you know what? You can try as hard as you like to keep the rules and follow the law. But it's powerless. It's powerless to keep us from doing the wrong thing. Oh, so I can't come to God like that. What have we heard already? Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's not about the laws and the rules and your ability to keep them. Christ in us. We'll learn somewhere else in Colossians that there aren't any walls in God's family. There's no barriers. And that's good news if you've always been on the the outside and stuck between this group and that group not given admission the Jews for this portion of history it was them they were revealing something of God to the rest of the world but yet the rest of the world was somehow separate until we see the fullness of what Jesus does and what are we told in Colossians 3.11 here there's no Gentile or Jew No circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. So we can knock down our misconceptions that actually I'm better than you because my family comes from here. Or my family's always done that. Or we were born with money. Or we can say, hey, I don't have money, but I belong because I'm rich in God's kingdom. There's no walls, no barriers. And the third thing, when you were dead in your sins, Isaiah talking about someone with filthy lips himself, Beset by sins he can't do anything about. When, you were dead, when we were dead in our sins, what did God do? We were dead in our sins. God made us in Christ. Colossians 2.13 When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. I think that's a plan for myself that I'm pretty happy to give myself over to. Because the impact of that on me is I was never able to perform, but now I know I don't have to perform. I'm not kept out of God's family because I wasn't the right shape, size, colour, background, 
Holy Spirit brings revelation when we read what really is the written word. You know, here's the story of Jesus from beginning to end. We didn't know it was the story of Jesus until Jesus came. There were hints. There were pointers. But now we know from beginning to end it's Jesus and what that means for us. So let's get into this. You know, let's, let's ask the Holy Spirit to bring revelation. And there's going to be a response when we understand, you know, the word that we hear. Because the Bible isn't just about reading it, is it? How did the Colossians come to know God's word? Through hearing it. We meditate on it. You know, we, we dine out on it. We, we, we get it into ourselves. And something happens as individuals, as groups, when this happens. I've got a Facebook post open here. And this is from, um, you know, my boss. My boss in Wagga. And he's a bit so excited earlier in today. And his church is celebrating the gift of the Holy Spirit. His words here are in the form of a prayer. And he's saying, Almighty God, you know, on that day... You opened the way of eternal life to every race and nation by the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Would you just continue giving your Holy Spirit throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel, which is what we're hearing again today, that it might reach to the ends of the earth through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the same Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Now, I'm looking at a picture. The room that they're in, it looks completely different to the room we're in. You know, it's got a big, tall ceiling a long way up. Beautiful timber. But they're not celebrating that, are they? We're in here in this room and it's a very functional room. We've got nice soft seats and not hard wooden ones to sit on. But are we here to celebrate the room? No. Wherever we're meeting, we're sharing the impact of the same revelation of Jesus who gives life to us, who lives in us, who gives us his spirit and reveals his plan to us. Better jump back from that picture before I start you know, reading Facebook posts and forget that you're there. But let's respond when we understand the word we hear. The word himself, Jesus, changes everything. How does he change it? Well, Jesus is our plan. He's our commission. Because we're not just left sitting here in chairs. We don't just go back home and get on with our lives in the same way when we know, when we know and meet Jesus. He's our plan, our commission, and he's the power who completes his commission. His commission was to save the world. Our commission is to be part of what he's doing about that. And I'm going to let Paul's verses wrap this up. If the Spirit gives us ears to hear, then I think we'll understand these words just as God intends us to understand them. Just like the Colossians heard them more than a thousand years ago. I'm going to give you three versions. And the reason I'm doing that 
is because just as we hear three versions, we can see the response of believers in different seasons, just as they translate into English words that Paul wrote in a different language so long ago. So this is Colossians 1 to 28, 1, 28 to 29, which I read earlier. I'm going to read it again, this time from the New King James Version. It says, Him, that's Jesus, we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labour, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. You like that bit? His working is working in us. And not just half-heartedly, it's working in us mightily. Colossians 1.28-29, this is the Passion Translation. It says, Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labour with a tireless intensity, with his power flowing through me, to present to every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Christ Jesus, or in Jesus Christ. And back to the one I, began, I read at the beginning. Colossians 1, 28 to 29 in the NIV. He, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Not just a little piece, all wisdom. So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously, with all my muscles, with everything i got, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Whose plan is it? It's God's plan. Is it going to be torn up and tossed away? No. That's what they tried to do with Jesus. Oh, we don't like his plan. Let's get rid of him. That was the enemy's plan. That was Satan's plan. The devil's plan. Yep, we can destroy Jesus. But God's plan is perfect. Everything to this day is still going according to plan. Who likes the possibility of a life lived perfectly because of the life Jesus carries out through us? Who likes the plan that ends perfectly with us? All complete together. Every man, woman, boy, girl. Together in a creation renewed and made perfect in his presence. That's how big the plan is. It's not... You know, we can hold a Bible. We find out about God's plan in here. <laughs> it's a lot bigger than what we're looking at here. That just unfolds and unfolds. And you and I feature in it. Let's pray. Thank you for the magnificence of your plan, Father. Lord Jesus, thank you that the part you played in it, in it was, was for us. And we marvel and we can't fully understand how you would face and encounter and go through total separation from the Father. That we could be restored to relationship with the Father. 
But we thank you that you did. We thank you that in your death, you took our death with you. And that in your rising, you brought us with you. That we've been perfected. That we've been made clean. That our sins are forgiven. Thank you for the plan for each one of our lives that you are unfolding. Holy Spirit, would you show us, reveal to us the truth of each day we're to live in you. That we would complete your commission to share with those around us the life and the hope that lies in Jesus. We submit ourselves to this and we say, give us that working that we can't provide. Give us that working by which we can fully work hard with every fibre of our being, excited, living out of your strength as we await the fulfilment of all your plans.